The reading today is from Psalm 1, and the page in your church Bible is 448. Psalm 1, page 448. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Thanks, Natalie. Now, I think uh, our young people are going to go out with... Natalie, is it? uh, You might just need to kill the computer in that room if it's on. I don't know if that's what's making the noise. Something's making noise. But I'll tell you what else might be a good thing. Uh, Rob, if you could kill the heating because I think we're warm enough and it's talking to us at the same time. So, I think we're ready. No, we are not. I've got no. Wish you were Jesus sometimes. Just say, peace be still, and mobile phones just go off air, and everything else that is distracting fades out of earshot. But we've just got to keep pressing buttons until it's all quiet again. So, as we start a new year and wish everybody a happy new year, let me ask you a fairly basic question, and that is can anyone? be happy. Can anyone be happy? Mm. Uh, Clearly, everybody wants to be happy. Mm. Even the person who commits suicide thinks that that's going to make them happier than carrying on their existence in their present Mm. situation. We are all doing things because we think it will make us more happy. But clearly not everybody is, because in today's newspaper, in uh, the Daily Telegraph, uh, there's an article asking whether people are living with low-level sadness. Always interesting, when you get the end of a Telegraph article, it has a little quiz saying, are you living in low-level sadness, yes or no? And I just couldn't help finding out what the people said, and 91% of the people said that they were living in low-level sadness. Yet everybody wants to be happy, so 
Why aren't there? Is there some secret to be found to make us happy? Now that Psalm 1 that we've just read is actually going to help us tonight because it's a quest for happiness. That's what the word blessed means. Now we spot a bit by turning it into a religious word. But blessed just means happy, deep-rooted happy. Not going on the search here, there and everywhere to be happy because you are like that tree in verse 3. You found the place where you are happy. Now everyone's looking for happiness. And that's what verse 1 tells you, they're standing, sitting, walking to find it. But how do you find it? I want to suggest that there is a right place to look, there's a wrong place to look, and then I'm going to talk about what it means, how to find happiness. Bet you're glad you came tonight, aren't you? Okay, well let's start by looking at the right place. And... That's going to be uh, clear as you go through the first verses. But you've got to go through verse 1, which tells you that there is a wrong place to look for happiness. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, when you look at those words... And you talk about the wicked and the scoffers and the sinners. You think these are really bad people. Who on earth would want to hang around with them standing, sitting and listening to them in the first place? But what may help us to realize is that those words are all words that the Bible uses when it describes, in a fairly uncomplimentary way, people who look to find their happiness in good things but not in God himself. Looking for good things, but away from God himself. So, uh, an example would be, going back to the start of the story, if you want to find a sinner, you can think of Adam and Eve, who were actually very good people. Uh, but they were going after a good thing that God had made but which meant that we would take them away from God and what he had said. Now you've got a definition of sin, haven't you? Now you know what a verse 1 person is like, going for a good thing but going away from God in the process. And the big lie that all the voices are telling us in verse 1 is they counsel us and scoff and um, advise us. All those voices are telling us try this good thing. It seems that those are the voices coming at us at every waking moment of life because it's summed up, aren't they? In, sitting, walking and standing, that's how you spend your waking moments of life. You're not, at this point, lying down in bed, sleeping. You are awake and you are either walking, sitting or 
standing and in all your conscious moments of life people are saying try this good thing it'll make you happy and that's what temptation is it is fascinating to think that the devil because he can't make anything the only way the only tool that he has to tempt people with are the good things that God has made he can't make anything he's only got the good things that God has made to tempt people with and with those good things he says come here don't go to the one who made them and that's where we find our great mistake that we go for the good things but not for God himself whereas the one who delights in the law of the Lord says that there's only one place to be happy and that is actually with God enjoying God more than anything that he has made now when it tells us that actually is delighting in the law of the Lord it sounds like he's saying hey let's start delighting in a rule book and I can't see how we can delight anything like that but let's understand that when the Bible talks about the law of the Lord it's not talking about one page with ten things written on that you mustn't do now it's not talking about the law of the Lord in a rule book way like that when the Bible talks about the law of the Lord what it's really talking about is the whole description of God in the Bible the law of the Lord that tells you what the God of the Bible is like in all his love and goodness towards us so the law of the Lord if you go back to the days of Adam and Eve the law of the Lord is God saying enjoy every good thing in this perfect world that I've made that is the law of the Lord is not a good thing but keep away from the one fruit that will kill you isn't that a good thing that he should love us to tell us how we can carry on enjoying the goodness of God and if Adam and Eve had listened then they would have been like that tree planted in the one place where they had everything that they needed they wouldn't have had to lose their happiness and have to look for it somewhere else and so that's where the tree comparison is is helpful isn't it if a tree is next to streams of water it doesn't get bored all of a sudden and say one day yes I think I'd better go somewhere else to have my thirst quenched actually here is just fine and here is where the tree can be all it was made to be what's a tree made to do it's meant to yield its fruit in season it's in the right place to be what it was made to be and so that is what a happy tree would be like and we're going to learn how that can be something that our lives can be like that too if we go to the right place
But there's the wrong place. And, well, Hannah wonderfully explained it with the little uh, porridge blowing that she did. The contrast with the tree in verse 3 is the chaff in verse 4. If you like, the here today, gone tomorrow experiences of joy. Now, isn't Christmas a really good illustration of that? If you stop and think about it, because the sales pitch at Christmas is to be happy with good things. That's what you are counselled when you walk past the shops, when you stand at the counter in Lakeside, when you sit doing your online ordering on your computer. But suddenly, soon, all that is gone. Who's still got their Christmas trees up? And we're just about, I think, tonight to eat the last of Christmas food. It's all blown away, isn't it? There's nothing much of Christmas left. You see? Christmas happiness is Garden of Eden. Happiness is chaff. Never to return that joy. But actually, it's worse. Because, well, what happens actually after Christmas when you say that the joy evaporates? They say, don't they, that Black Monday is the third Monday of January. This year it's the 18th. And the trouble with the middle of January and the blues that come from that are that, uh, well, your credit card bill comes in to tell you that you're broke. The weather forecast comes to tell you that you're going to get wet and that you go home in the dark and your wearing scales tell you that you're fat. <laughs> All around the mid-January mark when the New Year's resolutions haven't worked and have uh, been chaff as well. But actually it's worse than that. Because the wrong bid for happiness doesn't just leave you without happiness. If you look at verse 5, it leaves you with permanent unhappiness. So the Black Monday, if I can put it like that, fills the screen. That's when we get to the judgment of God and see the connection between God's law and God's love. And if we haven't linked the two in this life, we will discover that, uh, hello, Michael, come and grab a seat. If we haven't linked the two in this life, we will live under God's law, away from God's love, under his judgment. And that's therefore the time when we, we realize it's a fatal miss to disconnect God's law from God's love. Because if you reject one, you reject the other, and you end up under the judgment of God. Life away from God's law will ultimately be a life away from God.
God's love. And isn't it interesting to notice the difference at the end of verse 5? Because the life with God is interestingly life in the congregation. Do you see that? There is a congregation that speaks of fellowship, speaks of closeness, which the people in verse 1 seem to be seeking after, but can only be found with those who've discovered their closeness is primarily with God. And so the big question as we finish is, how do we get in? How, in the words of this book, will you be blessed? How, in this book, will you be happy? Well, it says in verse 2, it's the one who delights in the law of the Lord. But what's it mean to be delighting in the law of the Lord? It's really helpful, isn't it, to get someone along to come and show us. And that's what actually the law of the Lord does when it shows us Jesus. Remember the time he was 12? And instead of going home with his mom and dad, he stayed back in the temple to delight in the law of the Lord. Do you remember? He wanted to find out what God's loving purposes were for him, for his people, at the time of the Passover feast, when they all went up to Jerusalem. And then later, when the devil came along and said, if you want to be happy, turn these stones into bread, really good thing to have. He delighted in the law of the Lord at that point. And he said, it's a good thing, bread, but man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the great thing about the law of the Lord is, if you like, it's a description of God's love for you before you actually encounter his love and meet his love and receive his love, if I can put it like this, face to face when we finally stand in front of him in the future. Until you get to that point when you are dazzled by God's love and his brilliant glory, what we've got until then is the law of the Lord to show us what a God he is like before we finally get to the point where we see him. And therefore, when the devil approaches Jesus and says, we'll go for this good thing, he says, he spots it, just like Eve should have spotted it. But he spotted it straight away, that the devil was offering him a snack when really he could be feasting on what God was like, which was far going to, uh, going to be a far greater delight. He delighted in the law of the Lord. Jesus is the happiest person the most blessed person because he delighted in the law of the Lord so therefore it makes sense to learn from him that delighting in God is better than delighting in the things he has made and therefore we turn our eyes from the good in front of us that could take us away from him by focusing on something that is better, which is the great goodness of God and his love for us, it's instead.
And therefore, the mission of the Bible is to put in front of us the massive, massive, humongous greatness and goodness of God before you and I finally discover what that's like in the fullness of meeting him. And there are two ways, if I can put it like this. The Christians have learnt to delight in the Lord. See if you can remember them. The first is to spend time reading the law of the Lord. Pretty obvious, I know, but let's think about that. Because one of the lovely things that the Bible tells us, the law of the Lord, this delightful thing that will be good for us to uh, find our joy in, in Isaiah chapter 50, and verse 4, it says, Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. At a recent uh, co-mission uh, staff training day that uh, Hannah and I were on, uh, a guy really helpfully said, Look, just put aside time in the morning. Make sure you see God's face before you see anyone else's face. Be sure you delight in His law before you go into the day to delight in other things. Morning by morning. That will be a great thing to do. And as we get there and uh, say, right, okay, I'm going to delight in God's law. That's what I'm going to do now as I wake up, we then say, okay, so how do I do it? Well, it tells you, didn't it? In verse uh, 2, it's to do with meditating. Now, meditating is really another word for thinking, and it has this little suggestion that it's thinking that's talking. You're spending time chewing over what you're reading in a thinking, talking kind of way. So, for example, you would want to have a conversation with yourself. Meditating is saying, now, what does it mean exactly to delight in the law of the Lord? You can have that little conversation discussing it with yourself. Or, as well as that, talking to God. God, help me to delight in your law. I hear it's a good thing to do. I want to do that. Are there things that might be attracting my attention in my life? Good things that you've made that are taking me away from delighting in your word? Uh, Lord, help me to find out if those things are there in my life because I want to come back to delighting in your law more than anything else. And that means that when we go out in the day, having had conversations like that with ourselves and with God, at least we've got a bit of the Bible that we can come back and think a little bit more about in our slack times. Maybe we've only got half an hour in the morning. But it would be a good half an hour, wouldn't it, to just... You know, it really cost us a great deal to wake up half an hour earlier or maybe uh, breakfast um, and Bible at the same time, just to find opportunity to do that, because then we've got something 
to feed on in the slack times of the day. So maybe you're at the bus stop and you've got some slack time. You can bring your mind back to what you were thinking about earlier. And that time you can have a conversation with someone else. You can phone up others. You can phone up Rob and say, Rob, I forgot to put his mobile number on the screen, but you can ask him afterwards. He'll give it to you and say, Rob, now tell me, what do you think it means to delight in the Lord, Lord? How do you do it? I'm not so sure I've actually understood how I should do it. Could you help me? That's what we're there for, each other. And maybe Rob hasn't really thought that one through at that particular moment in time, and he'll get his head working, and it'll help both people to think. Now, I'm not saying that spending a bit of time reading the Bible in the morning is another way of taking a happy pill, that you suddenly go bouncing about and saying, this is amazing, I mean, it might be like that, but really, it's something that is long-term, isn't it? That's what the tree is like in verse 3. It's not jumping around saying, hallelujah, I've just had a wonderful drink. Um, it's long-term, it's ultimately bringing out its good effect in the long haul. It yields its fruit in season. And so that's what the happy person is like. Someone who becomes settled, someone who becomes stable. You become the person that God made you to be like the Lord Jesus. And that is delightful. <coughs> That is delightful. That's the person you will turn out to be. That's one way of being blessed. The other is to do verse 1, which is not to engage with the world. Now, what do I mean by that? It means you take what the world is offering you and you try and see through the lie that's coming at you at, the, at that same moment. So, for example, you take the new Star Wars film. You may not have seen the new Star Wars film, but George Lucas, the person who wrote it, realized that stories are a very powerful way of helping people to believe what you believe. And what George Lucas believes is that God is like a force in absolutely everything. And life works better if you can get that force working on your side. That's a lovely story. You come away from the cinema going, wow, and it has wrecked in the money, and we'll carry on doing that. It is a good story. But see what the good is doing in this case. It's taking you away from the idea that God is far more personal by telling you that God is more like a force, it's taking away from the idea that God is a father, which is far more delightful and far greater than the good story will want you to believe. It is just a sound of voices all the time. 
Uh, my sister phoned me up this morning to wish me a happy birthday, and I was very happy for that. And straight afterwards, I know that she likes uh, a certain kind of music, and I immediately sent her a li link to uh, something called the Zac Brown Band and a particular song called Toes, which I can't remember the lyrics exactly when I put on the spot, and I hadn't put it down in my notes to tell you. But he goes, that's right, uh, Toes in the Water... Uh, arse in the sand and a beer in my hand or something like that and that's as good as life gets and well that's my sister's philosophy so it worked and she sent back the text saying she loved it but the reality is actually that is a song that I love because it's going on in my head all the time because I, I, I sing it while I'm doing the whatever it is I'm doing when I'm not needing to do anything else and concentrate hard. And the difficulty with that is that I'm singing to myself a song that says, hey, this is all you need. You don't need the law of the Lord. Just need your toes in the water and blah, blah, blah. Now, you see, the world is really causing us to hum its tune. And we need to learn how to tune out and listen to check the lie out in the word in what we're hearing. Yeah, carry on having the tune just as long as you know that you're lying when you sing it. Just like when you sing the song Jerusalem did those feet in ancient times walk across England's pleasant land? The answer is no. To every single question in that song the answer is no. Now you can sing it if you like if you're part of the proms but just realize you're singing a lie when you sing it and realize that the lie is everywhere when you're standing, walking, sitting the lie is everywhere learn to spot it, recognize it, challenge it and put in its place the greater delight of what God is like which is far greater so, to wind up where does this all end? well, let me ask you a simple question are you happy. Maybe that you're new to the Christian scene and I wonder if I can ask you whether if the answer is no to that and today's newspaper and it's a little survey and the 91% that were honest said that they weren't happy, there was low level sadness in their lives, if that's you might it just be that there's been a search for happiness in the wrong place? In the good things that we think will make us happy, but which have taken us away from God as the prime joy of our lives. There are good things, aren't they? Family, hobbies, relationships good things that say come here you'll find joy and our eyes are taken away from the one who is the author of joy who is God himself now my friends if that is you then can I plead with you for honesty tonight not for me but for you and to suggest that you say to yourself, hey, look, I've lived in verse 1 long enough. 
I want to try verse 2. I want to learn how to live there. I want to learn how to delight in God and in his love for me. Talk to yourself. Talk to God. Talk to us. We'd love to help. Actually, I think that's a good question with a question mark to ask. Are you happy? It's a good question for people who go to church. Maybe like us to ask as well. Because on the outside, it's very easy, isn't it, for church people to say, yes, we delight in the law of the Lord, but functionally to live in the world of verse 1. Which is to say, actually, I want to see these good things in my life and then I'll be happy. And I'm looking there for my happiness. Whatever I may sing when I'm in church. I'm looking for joy in the good things that I get my hands on rather than my understanding of what God is like and his great love. If it helps, have a look at your bank statement. It may be that your bank statement will help you to see why you don't love the Bible. Because it shows you what you're spending your money on in your hope for joy and happiness. And again, let the honest conversations begin with yourself, with God, and with others. Otherwise, your Christian life will be unchanged and live superficially on the surface. What about those who want to make a new start? Who want to say, yes, I want to be happy. What will you tell me that will get me home on this new quest for happiness in God himself? I'll tell you what I'm going to offer you. I'm going to offer you a prosperity gospel. It comes out of verse uh, 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 3. In all that he does, he prospers. So I'm going to offer you a prosperity gospel. But not a prosperity gospel that says, hey, uh, do this and you make more money. Because that's a prosperity gospel that's going to get you straight back into verse 1. That says, hey, let me put you in touch with good things. That will make you happy. That's what a prosperity gospel ultimately tells us in the different churches that teach that kind of prosperity today. No, we're not talking about that kind of prosperity. I'm talking about the prosperity of being like a tree. Okay? That's the prosperity I want to be uh, pointing you towards. Because the tree tells you what prosperity looks like. It's about a tree being a tree. Being a being what it was made to be. And delighting in the law of the Lord is just that. It's becoming the person that we were made to be. To be like the Lord Jesus who, let's get this right, was the happiest and the only happy man that has ever lived. And he was able to be happy even when he faced the cross. Why? Because it says in uh, Romans, uh, sorry, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that for the joy set in front of him, he endured the cross. He knew 
that the goodness of God was going to be experienced there rather than in carrying on the good life away from God. Yeah, prosperity is becoming like Jesus. Prosperity is becoming the person that God made you to be, which is like him. So that day after day you will in stability find yourself becoming more and more like him and that is the source of delight and that delight will be found in the law stroke love of the Lord that's what happiness is like <clears throat> and that's what I mean when I want to wish you a happy and prosperous new year Let's pray and God will uh, give us perhaps an opportunity in a moment of quiet for you to talk to him. What is it that you would want to say back to God in the light of what he has said to you tonight? I'll give you a moment of quiet while you think that over and talk to him. Let me conclude by praying a prayer for all of us then. Father in heaven, change our hearts from delighting in good things to delighting in you. Thank you that uh, in the Lord Jesus, absolutely anyone can be happy. So please help us to delight in what you say so that we might be happy in your presence as he was and is and we pray this in his name Amen, Amen.